0: I know I have lied sometimes. Everyone has. But as nearly as possible, I have tried not to. These are the ones I'm sure of. As a child of twelve or so, I would lie to the priest in confession. The whole setting encouraged it. The dark church, the carved wood so inviting to run my fingers over and feel the pleasure of it as I thought of sin. The candles flickering on the altar, winking, Lie, don't lie, lie. Don't lie. The faceless man on the other side of the screen as I knelt in the two person stall. The awful anticipation. When will the screen open? What will I say? Then, too, the remembered words of my father talking about social occasions. But I feared that all occasions were social occasions. Now, Susan, don't be dull. I resolved not to be dull and tried to think of interesting sins to confess to as best I could. In truth, they were dull, just exaggerations of the truth. I got angry at my mother ten times this week. I had impure thoughts five times. I lied to my teachers three times. I always made up a number to make it official. After all, the priest would say back to me in a weary voice, say five Hail Marys and three Our Fathers, so it was clear that numbers were important. The other reason for lying was to liven up the priest's undoubtedly boring life. I felt that I owed it to him to be interesting. Even then, I was a pleaser. But the weary voice let me know that as a sinner, I had a long way to go. That was my first lie. My second came much later. In my mid-twenties, living in Manhattan, still half in the confessional, still torn between rebellion and compliance— I would give a false name to men I met at parties who frightened me or who bored me. I was Beverly Lipton. I remember talking to another young woman who, like me, lived in a walk-up and who felt marginal, too. Her apartment was furnished, like mine, in cast-offs. When I told her about my party name, she said admiringly, Oh, I could never think up a name quickly enough. Why use mine? I offered grandly. Those are my lies. I suppose telling the truth was important to me because there was so little of it in my home, mainly because my mother was an actress. She specialized in being what she was not. Did she pick this work because she did not want to tell the truth? Or did the work make her unable to see the difference between truth and falsehood? I don't know. What I do know is that this was a woman who lived for the posed moment the head held to one side, the feet placed one in front of the other, the hand curving back on the hip, holding open the jacket to reveal that the lining and the blouse matched. What words came out of that Windsor pink mouth were platitudes like, the greatest plays were written by Shakespeare. She said things like that so that people would think she was an intellectual. It was a sensitive point since I don't think that she finished high school. She joined the Ziegfeld Follies at 15 and married my father at 27. By that time, she was probably glad to take off those tap shoes. She became an authority on how things should be done, you know, always trying to get it right, just like me, but about different concerns. Say poem, Susan, not poem, and it's never tuxedo, or, God forbid, tux. It's dinner jacket. My mind real, trying to remember it all. Don't say drapes, say draperies. Don't say couch, it's sofa. And before you go out, do you have your white gloves? You don't wear them, you carry them. In my mother's mind, it was ginger and Fred time, forever.